0: sermons podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Uh, We're going to be going to Mark chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, uh, flip that out or a phone, get that out. We're going to Mark chapter 2. We're going to be starting at verse 1. I'll give you a moment to get it. I have put it up on the screen for those of you who haven't brought your Bibles, uh, but it's great to bring your Bible along. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. and then lowered the mat the man was lying on when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but god alone He took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. As we come to God's word, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you that even amidst so much that is going on in our world here, even in Auckland, uh, with floods uh, and many hardships, Lord, we thank you for your word uh, that raises our eyes to Jesus and helps us to see how he has met our greatest need. Lord, we pray that as we meet here this morning that you would challenge and comfort us, and we pray that your spirit would work through us so that as we leave here this morning that no person would be unchanged. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, as we look at this passage here today, can I ask you a question? What is your greatest need? Uh, About a year ago, Elizabeth and my wife, we were in Sydney. We'd recently moved there. We had a young family. We had a kid, and we wanted to be able to go out and explore on the weekends, go be able to get some groceries. So we bought a new car. We thought, oh, you know, we'll spend a little bit more money. We've got a young family. It's time to be responsible and reasonable. So no more two grand car with Econ. That doesn't work in Australia. Uh, So we bought a nice car. And uh, after a couple of weeks, I started to realize there was a few things wrong with the car. And then a month later I was driving through a large tunnel, a three-lane tunnel, and I was in a manual car and I went to go shift the gear from fourth to fifth. And as I went to go, I went, and I was like, "Oh no." And I was sitting there coasting in the neutral, started to go a bit slower, cars were going past me. I realized, "What's going on here?" And so then I thought, "Okay, let's try it again. Let's try to put in the fifth gear." Went to go fifth. Oh, the car was stuffed. The car was a complete lemon. The gearbox was gone. And so I pulled over to the side of the road in this toll tunnel. I took up a whole lane. I put my emergency lights on. And like any good 21st century person, I took some selfies there. <laughs> you can see me there. I think those guys quickly told me to get in the tow truck. They're like, what are you doing, mate? Um but my life started to cave in. I had this car that was a complete lemon and I started to try to contact the seller and be like, hey mate, what's going on? This was one month. Uh, and alongside that, I had my college exams coming up and I was trying to get back to New Zealand for the summer because we had a one-year-old grandchild and my world started to cave in because I just felt like I just need to get this car sorted, my exams done and I need to get back to New Zealand. And it felt like my greatest need was right in front of me. And I wonder for you here today whether that's true for you too. Uh, For many of us, we have many needs. Uh, As we've heard this morning, as I'm sure we've seen over the news over the weekend, uh, Auckland has uh, been decimated by floods. In fact, yesterday I was at a friend of a friend's house helping to shovel out dirt, move away uh, many of their belongings because their house had just been completely hit by a landslide. But for many of us, there may be many other needs. I imagine for some of us, there may be financial needs as we come into a new year, as we uh, maybe are looking for a job or we see the increased cost of living. For some of us, we might have relational needs. We might be single and longing to be in a relationship. For others of us, as we've talked about, school starting up this coming week, uh, maybe we're some of us, we might be excited about that, and some of us, we might be very anxious about that. We might be worried about going back to school. We have many needs in front of us, both as individuals and as a nation, as, as a society. But what is our greatest need? We met a man this morning in our passage today with a great need. Uh, he's a paralyzed man, unable to move, unable to walk. But before we get into this passage, it's helpful for us, I think, to just take a step back and to consider uh, what this passage is. Many of us realize it's in God's Word, it's in the Bible, so it's God's Word to us. But we're reading from Mark's Gospel, and Mark's Gospel is actually a historical document. It's a biography written about Jesus. And some people today seem to be confused about the reality of Jesus. But no historian is in doubt that Jesus is a real man who lived this world, walked this earth. And actually many other historians have written written about Jesus. So here we have Mark. He's written about Jesus. But even non-Christian historians at the time of Jesus wrote about him. There is the um, Jewish historian, Josephus. He wrote about Jesus in 94 AD. And Jesus's life and ministry was around 30 to 33 AD in his death and resurrection. And a Roman historian, Tacitus, wrote about Jesus in 116 AD. And as we come to Mark's gospel, this is God's word to us, yes, but it's also her historical document. And Mark wrote this gospel around 60 to 70 AD. And so it's helpful to realize as we come to this, that this is a historical document, that the Christian faith is bedded in history. And not only that, if you look at the first verse we have up there, a few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum. Did you notice that? Capernaum. Sometimes we just uh, go past place names. That don't seem very interesting. But you notice, this this isn't Narnia. This isn't Hogwarts. This is our world. You can even go on Google Maps and you can see Capernaum. is at the top of the Sea of Galilee there. It's a bit hard to see. But there on the right, you have a picture of Capernaum today. Uh, It looks beautiful. Might be a nice place to be instead of Auckland this weekend. Amazing place. Capernaum. Jesus walked this earth. And so it's helpful to realize that. And so as we come to God's word, we need to remember that this is better than history, that Jesus walked this earth, that God himself came into our world. And we meet Jesus here in verses 1 to 2, so read along with me. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Jesus was a big deal in his time, and Jesus has always been a big deal. People were crowding into this room trying to get to Jesus, trying to hear him speak. They were spilling out the doors. And even today, 2.4 billion people worship Jesus. Jesus has never been an irrelevant person in history. And so he's an incredibly important person. And many of us here today, maybe not here, but some here, its many in our world, have never read a biography of Jesus as an adult. This is someone who claims to be God, who a third of the world worship, and yet some of us haven't even considered a biography of Jesus. Mark's gospel, what we're reading through today, is 16 chapters. It'll probably take you about two hours to read. If you are someone who hasn't read a gospel or an account of Jesus' life as an adult, could I encourage you to do that? It's an amazing thing to do, and even as a Christian, to start each year reading a biography of Jesus to remind yourself of who we worship and what it is we proclaim. So there we have Jesus, our first character in the story, and we meet our next character, the paralyzed man, verses 3 to 4. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Can you imagine to be this paralyzed man? His need is great, isn't it? Can you imagine? He's living in a first century world where there isn't electric wheelchairs. He's being carried around on a mat by his friends, unable to move, unable to get anywhere. And here he is trying to get to Jesus. His friends are trying to bring him to Jesus, but the room that he's in is completely packed out. And so as friends, as they come to this house to try get their friend to Jesus, they see it's completely full and they think, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, he'll be healed. He'll be able to walk again. And so, with that faith, they climb up on the roof. And it's not roofs like we have today with long iron sheets, but it's something more with probably mud brick, and they start digging away at the roof. They dig away at it, and you can imagine the people inside. It's like a distraction at church like a dove just floats past and everyone's distracted from what Jesus is actually saying. Dirt starts to crumble in into the house and people start to make a circle. And you can imagine this paralyzed man being lowered down in front of everyone. And everyone hushes. And they're sitting there waiting to see how Jesus is going to heal this man. And then in verse 5 we read, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What? Jesus is forgiving this man's sins? If I was there, I would be thinking, what are you on about Jesus? This person doesn't need his sins forgiven. He needs his legs to walk. He's paralyzed. That's his greatest need. That's why we're all watching here. That's why they brought the paralyzed man. Not for you to forgive his sins, but so that he could walk. In fact, if I was there, I'd probably be thinking, I bet he can't even heal him. That's why he said your sins are forgiven. Who can prove that? And you see, you see in our story today that people there as well were just like us. They were skeptical. But they were skeptical about something different. If you come with me to verse 6, you see that the teachers of the law Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Did you see that? These people aren't skeptical, but they're concerned about something else. Or rather, they see what Jesus is saying. You see, they said at the end, who can forgive sins but God alone? They realize that Jesus here isn't just claiming to be a man as we know as he's walked this earth, but he's claiming to be God in the flesh. And this is an amazing statement that many people in our world here today may fail to realize that Jesus was not both a man, yes, but he was also God in the flesh. Jehovah's Witnesses think that Jesus was just a created being. Islam teaches that Jesus was just a prophet and many other religion sects think Jesus wasn't actually God, that that's not what he claimed to be. But that's exactly what Jesus claimed to be. And we see it here and the teachers of the law realize that. And it's helpful for us to take a step back as well, to just consider the word sin, that Jesus has forgiven this man's sins. I think for many of us we can uh, confuse what sin means. We think maybe Well, one sense, we think, yes, sin is wrong things that we do. So maybe if I was to go over and I was to steal Mark's Bible or I was to steal his phone, yes, that would be sinful. And yes, that's right. But in that, we're missing something fundamental, something more fundamental to sin. That sin isn't actually just the wrong things that we do to one another. Yes, it's that. But in that, it's our rebellion against God. It's our rejection of God. That The Bible teaches that, that in Genesis 1 and 2, God created a good world and placed mankind in it to care for it. And that in Genesis 3, mankind rejected God, they rejected his word, and lived their own way. And so when Jesus here is saying that he can forgive sins, he's saying that he can restore our relationship with God, the giver of life, the giver of everything good in our world, that our world at the moment is corrupted by sin, but everything that is good in it is from God. And Jesus is saying he can restore that. Next verse. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? That's a good question, isn't it? What is easier to do if a paralyzed man was to come in here today? Would it be easier to say, get up, take your mat and walk? Or would it be easier to say, your sins are forgiven? I'm actually going to give you guys a minute to chat to the person next year. You've already started chatting. Discuss this question. What would be easier to do? Awesome. We'll come back together. Uh, I hope you can see the tension in that question. In one sense, Obviously, it's incredibly hard to tell a paralyzed person to get up and walk, for them to be miraculously healed in that moment. That's clearly incredibly hard, a miracle, something that surely only God can do. And in one sense, it's very easy to say your sins are forgiven. Anyone can say it, can't they? Many people may say it. But to actually mean it, to actually be able to restore our relationship with God, Well, no, that that isn't something incredibly hard. That is something that, as the teachers of the law rightly said, something only God can do. And Jesus wants these people to know both these truths. And so he says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Mark here, in his historical document, records a miracle, something which usually doesn't happen, but Jesus, God in the flesh, comes and does it. But I hope you see here that this isn't just a miracle of a paralyzed man being able to walk. I hope you see that Jesus didn't actually heal this man just so that he could walk. Did you notice that there in verse 10? He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, Get up, take your mat, and walk. Jesus wanted people to know that he could heal this man's sins. Jesus wanted people to know that though his greatest need may seem apparently that he has paralysis, Jesus actually thinks his greatest need is for his sins to be forgiven. And I think that's true for us here today, that Jesus would say our, our greatest need, we have many needs in our world and that is right, but our greatest need is for us to be restored to our God, to our maker, the one who gives life, who has given us everything good in this world. That though there might be many great needs in your life right now, that though there might be many great needs in our community, relational, financial, even within uh, these terrible floods, that our greatest need is to be restored to our Lord, to our God. And I think sometimes us as Christians, we can get a little bit confused about this. And I think we, but I think Jesus has always been clear on this. So I haven't actually put this up here on the slides, and that's why it's great to bring your Bible, your phone along with you so that you can see. But earlier in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter one, Jesus had been healing people in Capernaum a couple of days earlier. He'd been healing many people. And then that night, people went to sleep and in the morning he got up to pray and as he got up his disciples came to him and they said everyone is looking for you jesus and you can imagine what they're wanting they're saying jesus more people need to be healed maybe even this paralyzed man was in that town at that point he was looking for jesus to be healed but jesus says in mark chapter 1 verse 38 jesus replied let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so i can preach there also that is why i have come you see jesus brings signs and miracles and healings but that is to authenticate his message that is to prove the tr- prove the truth of his testimony that he can forgive sins that actually why jesus has come is to preach a message of forgiveness And it's all through the Bible, even moments after our account that we read here in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Maybe people who, in one sense, don't seem like they have many apparent needs. They're not paralyzed. Tax collectors are quite wealthy. They do quite well. They've got a nice house. Maybe it's a little bit like many people in our community. We don't seem like we have many needs. And when Jesus is hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners, he says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so the, I hope you realize that that is what the church is. That the church is sinners who have been saved by Jesus. That Jesus hasn't come to call the righteous, but he's come to call those who would recognize our sin before God. And so in this story, I hope you can see that there's only two responses to Jesus. Either you can continue like the teachers of the law and reject Jesus, or you can come to Jesus like the paralyzed man. Did you see how how the paralyzed man came to Jesus? He didn't come trying to prove his worth or why he should be healed. He didn't say, look at all I've done for you in the church, Jesus, or look how I've cared for my neighbor. Look at all these things I've done. No, the paralyzed man, he sat there in silence. He came before Jesus asking for a gift that there was nothing he could offer him. And that is exactly how Jesus would have us come to him because there is nothing we can offer him, but he has everything to offer us. And he would say, son, your sins are forgiven. And so if that is you here today, maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you've enjoyed it and you've enjoyed the music, the coffee, the community, but you realize actually today that you haven't put your trust in Jesus If that is you here today, even though you might call yourself a Christian, but if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, could I encourage you to do that today? But I imagine for many of us as well, we have put our trust in Jesus, that he has forgiven us of our sins. And so can we just step back and realize what God has done for us? That praise God, we have the awesome hope of eternity, that he hasn't just solved our problems for a lifetime, but he's healed us for eternity. And that, praise God, no matter what is going on right now in your life, whether financial, relational, whatever issues are going on, and those are real and true, but God has provided our greatest need, and you have the awesome hope of eternity, that even in that frustration, you can look forward to heaven and know your hope is secure. And praise God that there's nothing that can take this away from you. Now, this isn't dependent on how you have lived or what you have done, but this is dependent on what Jesus has done. And so I love your mission here uh, at OBC. I might get this slightly wrong, but from my understanding, you have a mission to talk to 10,000 people about Jesus over 10 years. And in those conversations, you hope to talk to them about Jesus. It is an amazing thing that though those people may have many needs, I hope that you can see in your mind that their greatest need is to come to Jesus. And so as we wrap up here this morning, would we pray to God, praising him for what he has done for us and asking that he would help us as we reach out to our community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you know our needs and that you supply our needs, and that you have met our greatest need. Heavenly Father, would you help us to see that? Would you help us to recognize the joy that we have, that we have the awesome hope of eternity with you, with no more suffering or pain, and which nothing can take away from us, so that no matter what situation we're in right now, we can have hope and joy. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what our friends and our families and our communities' greatest need is. And Lord, would you help us to meet that need as we tell them about Jesus? We pray this in His name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.